2008, Mickey Reese has made 30 feature films. And these include the bizarro western Judge's Creed, the news world comedy drama Broadcast, and even a kid's film, Me and Ichikawa. But you've probably never heard of any of them. That's because every time Mickey Reese finishes a film, he opens it for one night in his hometown of Oklahoma City and then puts it on a shelf to go work on the next one. It was only in 2017, when a critic was driving through Oklahoma City, that he spotted the title Mickey Reese's Alien on a cinema marquee. Out of curiosity, the critic went into the cinema and discovered a surreal black and white Elvis biopic. The critic told Midnight Madness and Fantastic Fest programmer Peter Kaplowski about this new outsider artist that no one has ever heard of. Peter asked Mickey to see some of his work and was amazed at the creativity, ingenuity, and raw talent that was on display. So he got the newest Mickey Reese picture, Strike Dear Mistress and Cure His Heart, a Bergman-like psychodrama that was a loose remake of Autumn Sonata, to play at Fantastic Fest, the first time that Mickey Reese's films had been seen by a wide international audience. Mickey was able to get his first critical notices outside of his hometown, and was able to, since then, work on two other feature films, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, which will soon have its premiere at the Chattanooga Film Festival, and the upcoming vampire drama Climate of the Hunter. Mickey recently came to a screening in Toronto at the What the Film Festival of Strike Dear Mistress and Cure His Heart, and I got a chance to sit down with him and try to crack open how he's been able to make so many feature films and just put them on the shelf and go make more. Hello, this is Justin the Clue, and you're listening to a special episode of the Important Cinema Club, because I'm sitting here today with... Mickey Reese. And Mickey Reese is a filmmaker, and there's a new one that's coming up, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, and it's premiering, isn't it, at the... Chattanooga Film Festival. You've made a bunch of feature films that you played in your hometown Mm -hmm. when uh, you were finished, and then you just move on to the next one. And how long would you play the movies? Like a week? No, just one night. Just one night? Yeah. You had just done them with your 7D DSLR camera. Yeah. Did you spend any money or is it just like whatever prop we have around the house, we can just do that? There was a a lady, an angel woman early on with the movie Tarsus in 2013 that saw one of our movies and said, hey, I want to help. I want to help you guys like financially. And so she would give us, you know, I mean, we're talking three or four grand, like yeah. each movie kind of deal. And then we would eventually move up each one, like with more money. I think the first time she gave us like a thousand, but it was for like me and another friend of mine who was making a movie. So we both got like 500. We were like, <laughs> like what are we like? Just we need to have a meeting. What are we even going to do with this $500 that we got? <laughs> so how did like filmmaking become your obsession? Like, this is what I want to do out of like all the arts i don't know i sort of fell into it i had Mm -hmm. some buddies that wanted to make a movie when we were in high school and they really wanted to like tarantino was real big yeah that was like the revolution back then you know just Mm -hmm. like pulp fiction (laughs) and so like let's make a crime movie let's let's make (laughs) something like that and i was like okay cool yeah i'm in that sounds fun guys then kind of like made that movie with those guys and then understood like how the camera worked And i was like well shit i can do this myself and from that point you started directing stuff did you ever have an idea in your mind like all right I'm going to put everything I have into this movie, and this is the one that when people are going to see it, it's just going to blow their minds, and then fame and fortune from then on out. No, it's always been an exercise. It's always Mm -hmm. been like an expression. Like, some people will go, like, make a movie and then Mm -hmm. go tour with the movie for, like, two years without even, like, Mm -hmm. an idea of making something else or or follow-up and everything. And, and like, so it's like they they had a baby, and now they're raising the baby. Mm -hmm. And for me, making a movie is like taking a shit. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, you have to take a shit. Yeah, you have to. You know to. what I mean? Yeah. You can't walk around with that, like, in your pants. Exactly. And so once that's done, there's just that feeling of relief until, like, the other shit builds up in you and it has to just be let out as well. Exactly. So you started off shooting with friends and family, right? Yep. You never had any idea of, like, I want to go get some actors and, like, I don't want to say make it a real movie, you know, but honestly, the perception of it. The reason I started using actors mm-hmm. around town was because my friends, you know, started to get burnt out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, how long did it take before your friends were like, oh, my God, do I have to do this again? Surprisingly long time. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure at the beginning, there's a novelty of like, wow, I'm in a movie. And it's like a long mm-hmm. feature length thing that it's shown on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. You get everything, you know, everything you want out of it. And I still use some, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, in Arrows, uh, Mason, the guy who plays Jerry, he's just a friend of mine from Newcastle from mm-hmm. high school. And Dallas, the guy who played Chip, the pizza guy. They're just buddies. So, like, the actual going out and getting people to appear in your films, that was something that, as you kind of shaved it away, the people who are like, oh, no, I like doing this, as long as it doesn't take too long, they've stuck with you yeah. in, in these films. Yeah, and I learned to accommodate people, too, because mm-hmm. I never had money to pay them, so mm. it's always just like, how can we make this easier for you, where you're just coming in and, like, knocking something out real quick? So, I, I guess I learned how to shoot fast by default. You've covered... Every genre imaginable. How did that process actually like work? Were you like, oh, I saw this movie. It inspired me. I want to go make something like this. Exactly. Or is it, oh, that's exactly how yeah, it yeah. worked. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. And do you ever get like a block where you're like, what am I doing? Like, is this a waste of time or it's going to be too hard? No. No? <laughs> no, it's never like, I'm sure you've been around enough where someone, you know, comes in like that has no idea how to make a movie, but mm-hmm. they're like, uh, I've got an idea for a movie. Yeah. Like everybody's just sitting around with uh, money and all the resources to make a movie, but whoa, if someone would just come in with an idea, yeah, you know what I mean? Ideas are, everybody has ideas. Mm-hmm. They're plentiful. You know what I mean? It's like, how can you execute them? And so all the films that you've made up to this point have all been figuring out how to execute these complicated ideas. Yeah. And what would you say? Were I wouldn't some... say any of them are complicated. But yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I watched some trailers of them and you have like a Western, you did an Irish boxing film, you did what looks like pretty big dramas. But they're, they're <laughs> all just people talking in rooms. Yeah, that's right. Even just looking at those trailers, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many locations. Yeah, before it was just, it didn't matter because it was just me and my camera. I can go shoot at the mall. I can yeah. go shoot at the airport. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's just me. But now that I have, that I'm working with crews and stuff, it, it has to be more contained. It sounds like your filmmaking process is like a lot of like, I can figure out something else. Yeah, totally, totally. And is that something that came naturally or is it something that like well, you discovered? you had to. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you have to, when you're <laughs> guerrilla filmmaking, as it were, you have to, you have to just be like, well, that doesn't work. You, you know, plan mm-hmm. B. I don't want to say that you didn't invest too much in these movies because obviously everyone is like your heart and soul in that moment but be able to move beyond it and be like all right let's just make the next one i feel like that's like a missing piece that people like me or any other filmmaking friends like we just can't get so like just talking to you i'm like all right how can i steal this for myself (laughs) or is that you just think your personality like i said it's Mm -hmm. just it's just it all goes back to just taking a shit yeah (laughs) builds up you gotta you gotta let it out did you ever consider like i could do something else other than make movies like write a book or the pretentious side of me really wants to write a book that would be (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that would be awesome to be like, you know, 
a, a published author. But I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. But yeah. now it's just movies. So yeah. Maybe one day you'll wake up and it's like, I don't want to make movies anymore. Right. But until then, because you were making about like three a year. Yeah. And now, you know, it's painful to me that now it's more like two, two a year. Like, really, <laughs> Is it? It's yeah. really the kind of one and a half a year mm-hmm. is what it's been like lately the past couple of years because the movies are getting bigger, mm-hmm. harder, more involved. Not everyone moves as fast. I mean, not everybody moves as fast when it's more people do it. It's not just you because you were like a one man crew when you would make these movies, right? Yes. And so, I mean, that's kind of where Arrows of Outrageous Fortune came from mm-hmm. was um, where we finished Strike Your Mistress and we're just kind of sitting around waiting for it to premiere, like waiting for this specific festival to come up, Fantastic Fest to come mm-hmm. up. And we're, we're done, you know, eight months before that so yeah we're just sitting around just so you have an eight months wait until yeah, the movie and it's premieres just like, what are we gonna do now mm-hmm. in this eight months and we were all just you know restless and we're just like well you guys want to do a movie for like for no money like yeah we don't care we just want to act we just want to like make a movie do something and i was like let's do it so what's the script writing process and something like arrows of outrageous fortune is we would it- write a scene like whatever we were going to shoot that day oh we have you know so and so's house and we have this amount of time mm-hmm. let's knock these two scenes out in the outline so i'll write them a couple days beforehand and give it to them so when you start you have an outline yeah. And that's what you give to like all the actors. And you're like, this is the general idea of what we're going to do. Yep. And then as it gets closer to the dates of shooting, do you work with a lot of improv? Arrows of Outrageous Fortune is, is kind of like a throwback to what we did before we started working with budgets, and, mm-hmm. you know, creating more cinematic stuff. Yeah. So this is just a throwback to that. But now that we have more resources, let's let's use like good external mm-hmm. sound and let's use and let's use a, a DP, you know, see what those movies would have been like had we had a little more money or resources. This one in particular is like it was exactly like we used to do it, like as weekend warriors. You guys cool to shoot, you know, this day and then like a week later we shoot another day kind of deal. It wasn't like all put together the way Strike and Alien and mm-hmm. Climate of the Hunter were, you know, in one place for a mm-hmm. week or two weeks shooting the movie. Those movies, you said, like, you had a crew, but when you were shooting the early ones, it was just you? That yeah. was, And you were just scheduling everybody, and mm-hmm. you were making sure all the props were in place? Right. What, to you, when you were making those movies, what, did you consider, like, successful, where you're like, I got this? It was all performances. Mm-hmm. That's all they were. That's okay. all that was, that's all that needed to get right. And would you and write, I would write for them. You would write for yeah, them. Yeah, which, okay. is, which is what... Arrows of Outrageous Fortune is too. Just, mm-hmm. I wrote for the people. Are you working on movies full time now? Uh, yeah. And before that, how did you have like a work life balance? Yeah. I'm sure work. this is a question you get all the time where people are like, well, how would you make so many movies? I would work 40 hours a week. And then I have my son on the weekends. So I don't know. When you're only shooting like Tuesday after work, you only got like three or four hours. You got to yeah. knock out what you can in that time. And so I learned to work with those those constraints. There's no like magic password here where people are like, oh, he must have just had all the time in the world. It's like exactly. now, now I have all the time in the world. And do you find that different now that you have all the time in the world? Well, I say I have all the time in the world. Uh, I mean, you don't. We spent, <laughs> you know, like the last movie we did, Climber the Hunter, we mm-hmm. had two weeks, which is insane for me. There was a lot of downtime, honestly. There was a lot of time to think. There was a lot of time to work everything out. And I was able to create more more sophisticated scenes. Uh, the scenes are technically better or just more thought out. So I'm anxious to see what... I mean, I'm, I'm editing it, so I'm, I'm, but I'm anxious to see what that movie turns out like with with more time. And I, you know, I felt like a, a director for once. Oh, you didn't feel like a director when you were making the other ones? No, because I was everything. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was there ever a time when you were making movies that you're like, oh, this became real? Stuff? No, there's definitely moments where mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, really onto something here. But you never had, I don't know if you like submitted it to film festivals or... There wasn't time. Mm-hmm. I had to make the next one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. There should have been, at that point, there should have been someone 
working for me that was doing all <laughs> yeah. that stuff, putting it into festivals or getting that stuff worked out. But also, we would put some stuff into festivals and just get turned down. I mean, these are garbage movies. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like there's, it's not like I was ever surprised. Like I can't believe, yeah, they turned down me and Ichikawa. <laughs> <laughs> that being your, would you call that your kids' film? That's my kids' film. Yeah. yeah, that's right. How do you get inspired though? Like, how do you go towards the next thing? If you're always making movies and you're working full time. How would you be like, all right, this is what I want to see. Do you take it from life or do you take it from like, do you make time to watch movies? Oh, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I watch movies religiously. I fall, I go to sleep to movies. Is there still something that you're like reaching for? You're like, I just, if I just do this. My initial goal or plateau is I want to make important films. And what would you define as like an important film? I I mean, I want to be a P.T. Anderson. Okay. Or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like a a tall order. I kind of want to, like right now I'm having success with this one kind of specific, Mm -hmm. like gothic surrealist genre. And that's cool. And I'm ha- and I'm having that's a really like cool spot for me right now. And this is a good little um, niche that you're working in. Niche, but like also just this. I, I feel like it's just a uh, a point in in my career. Mm-hmm. I think I'll move on to something else. I want to just keep reinventing myself until and I and I yeah I want to become like an important American auteur. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, looking at your films, like the second that Peter Koplowski, who introduced me to your work, showed me your films, I'm like, oh, like he shoots. Like Steven Soderbergh. Are you a fan of Soderbergh? Sure. I, I, I was really hoping you'd be like, I hate this guy. No, <laughs> no I yeah. love Soderbergh. Like yeah. those wide angles and just the way you like capture conversations as well. And also from that like DIY style is that like that's the like Soderbergh would love making three films a year, but he's at a place that he can't do that. Well, I'm at a place I can't do that right now either. <laughs> yeah. So you, you want to trade spaces with him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Soderbergh might be making more movies than I am right now. And do you think you could see yourself, like, moving to L.A. and making movies there? Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, because right now it's all been very, it's all been cake. It's all been yeah. a cakewalk. Like, they, they, everybody's just kind of, like, giving me money to make Mickey Reese movies. Yeah. So, as long as that keeps happening, sure. What are the difficulties you would have making Mickey Reese films? And I guess if I moved up to something, you know, like a, mm-hmm. a more significant budget, some like three million or something, then, <laughs> then I'd probably have some more uh, some more hands in the cookie jar. Yeah. So, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, the movie that you made in between films because you need right. to make a film. Right, right, right. That's exactly what it is. And like, uh, it's a palate cleanser. I, I had a chance to watch it yesterday and it's really funny. And the close comparison I could make is Alex Ross Perry, the director of like The Color Wheel and Listen Up, Philip, which you said you'd never seen any of his movies and <laughs> you never heard of him before. <laughs> that kind of comedic back and forth sometimes deadpan and undercutting of a situation that's very dramatic. Some of the, the earlier stuff that I did with just me and a mic and a camera, like, yeah. it's from the director of those movies. Not, yeah. not from the director of Strike Dear Mistress or Mickey Reese's Alien. When you approach something like Alien or Strike Dear Mistress, though, how is that different from something like Arrows of Outrageous Fortune? Oh, you know, uh, exactly what we were saying uh, whenever you were asking about when you know you got it back then. And I said, just like, well, the performances. On those other movies, the performances definitely matter. Mm-hmm. But so does the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So does the shot. Because your films, I think, what's very distinct about them is that you don't know what you're getting. Like, there's an idea of, like, if you watch a bunch, it's like, okay, I know Mickey Reese's sensibilities, but every film will have a different tone. Is that something you struggle with? I used to. Mm-hmm. Now I pretty much have everything kind of realized where, mm. where I can go in and get exactly what I had intended. 
you know, there was definitely a time where it was a surprise. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't mean it to turn out this way, but okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Now it's, ah, it's a comedy now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now it's, uh, I'm not surprised when mm. I get into the editing room anymore. When you're writing, you're not like, oh, wait, that doesn't fit within the tone that I want, even though this is the idea that I'm going towards. It, you, you find it actually clicks into place easier than that. I think it was a Woody Allen quote where, you know, you go into making a movie and you have all these uh, mm-hmm. ideas and schemes to make a masterpiece. And by the end of it, you're just like, can I live through this? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can I just have anything coming out of this? Yeah, just there. Yeah. And that's how it always ends up. Because you are you are working at a level, you understand where your themes are and where your tones are, mm-hmm. what what you have to do to make it. And then you get there and you're like, I just want to make my day. Yeah, this is harder than I thought it was <laughs> yeah. going to be. Yeah. And that hasn't gotten easier over like all the stuff that you've done? Well, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune was so easy. <laughs> okay. It was a breeze. Yeah. That's why I'm saying like a palate cleanser. Like, so I think I would like to make a big movie and then make a small movie as a palate cleanser mm-hmm. and decide like to just keep doing that. The classic one for them, one for me, even though technically they're both, they're both yours. For me, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just one is easier and the other one is harder. Exactly. Are there genres that like you haven't tackled? Are you like, man, I would love to make a John Woo style Hong Kong action film? Well, a Western. Um, I mean, technically you've made, I made some Western. I made a... I'm, unnamed, uncredited as it says on IMDb. Judges Creed is ki- kind of a Western, yeah. not really. And then there was this movie like 2008 or something mm-hmm. called like Bury the Gold Eli. And that was a trilogy of Westerns I had in mind to do. But man, was it garbage. <laughs> okay. And so it's like... So I'd, I'd like to do a Western. I haven't really messed with sci-fi that much. A little mm. bit, actually. You did a time travel film, didn't you? I did. There's There's been some sci-fi stuff, but not good. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to make a good a good sci-fi movie. I'd like to make make a movie in space. Do you it would look- just be people talking in space. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be in space. It'd be the novelty of <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to think of... Yeah. When you move on to the next thing, are you just like, ah... I have no affinity for the previous thing I just made. Or have you been finding as time goes on, you're like, oh, you know what? That was good. Some of them, yeah. Yeah. Some of them I do look back uh, fondly. It's a movie called T-Rex. And Mm -hmm. I think it's it's still the, the best thing I've ever done. We're close to it. Um, no one can watch it in case any listeners are wondering. Oh, Not yet. That's no. Say you can watch it all they want. Just you know, shoot me a message. Mm. I'm like, oh yeah, here you go. That's how that works. Like the watching T Rex and uh, Tarsus. This movie I made in uh, 2013, mm-hmm. and actually we're gonna show it again locally soon, and I'm excited about that. That was a well done movie, mm-hmm. especially for that time. That I can still look back and be like, yeah. That was really good. Like, and I don't even know what we had going on. I don't know yeah. how we made that movie. How, how did I do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. How did that even come about? So those blinders. You just start working. You're like, I got to do this. Exactly. I got to do this. Exactly. And we were just, we were on something then. Like, you know, we were on one. And how is your, like, hometown react to you making movies? Like, has your community kind of built up around what you're doing? I get a lot of press. I always have. In your hometown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people will come to, if I have a premiere, you know, we're mm-hmm. like... 100, 150 people will yeah. show up. But it's such a, a young, like the film community in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City is just so, it's so young. So do you already feel like, hey, I, it's me, Ricky I, Reese. I, I, I do. <sighs> it almost sounds like, it's like, ah, Mickey Reese made another movie. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of deal. Like uh, under, maybe not underappreciated, but underestimated. Was, well, I think, I mean, even people told me way early on that I would never, like, with the movies you're making, like, there's no way you can ever do anything with these movies. You know what I mean? They're too weird kind of deal. And it's just like, maybe it's that way in Oklahoma, but. Did you feel like you internalized that? It, it didn't it, matter. Again, I, I just keep coming back to this idea of, like, you just made these movies and you're like, I'm moving on to the next one. And that you're just like. I don't think anyone would care about this. Is that like a thought that ever crossed your mind or? Yeah. 
And weird is also... Like, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah I'm, I I said that, but I meant, I don't know. I mean, pe- also just being poorly done, too. Yeah. I, mean, not... <laughs> I mean, your films are... They're, they're cinema that is that is expression. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot, uh, definitely a, a whole new thing coming onto one of my sets. Because I'm fascinated of how, like, the people in your circle that are not necessarily, like, I want to make movies, how they react to your movies. They're all sweet Awesome okay. people that are very appreciative of the work we did. Has anybody ever come and put like a hand on your shoulder and been like, maybe like you shouldn't do this anymore? Like, where is it going to lead? Oh, yeah. What has been your like reaction to that? Uh, Shake off their hand and be like, get out of here. I, I don't have time for this conversation. I'm oh, really? like, working on another movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like you're just constantly running and running and running. And like, it's one of those oh, things. Yeah, I'll, that I'll it, die young. That you're like the uh, <laughs> fast bender, like. Yeah. You're like just continually making. Exactly. Me, you're almost like the coyote, like running across over the cliff. And like, if you look down, you'll realize, like, oh man, there's nothing under there. Yeah. But as long as you keep going forward, you'll just that, be fine. That, that, Fastbinder uh, comparison has been made for a lot, like a, a lot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I'm, I'm actually starting to kind of like incorporate him like into my work, like the with the blocking and stuff, like the blocking of Chinese like roulette. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> like that, I'm really like I actually really like his style now. <laughs> like aside from the gimmick of him just being like a you know basically what I'm doing. Were you ever intoxicated by the ideas of like filmmakers who just worked and worked and worked? Like, people like Fassbender. Because I remember when I was young and I was reading books, I was like, wow, they could make this many movies a year? Or is that, like, besides the point? Well, my biggest influence from a very, Mm -hmm. you know, just from a young age, like, the first filmmaker that I was, like, the first auteur filmmaker that I was like, whoa, was Woody Allen. Yeah. And Woody Allen makes a movie a year. Yeah, and they're easy. Those those movies are easy to shoot. They're easy to edit, and Mm -hmm. they're easy to wrap your head around how to make them. Mm -hmm. That was my film school. I think was just like studying Woody Allen movies. And then from that point on, like, where did you branch off into? Did you go like toward the art house or the popular cinema? I don't know. I tried to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Like like uh, like you said about just switching up genres. Every movie was kind of like that. I just tried everything to see what my voice was. And do you find like you've, you're starting to come and towards now, now what like, your voice is? Well, now I feel like it's more of a split personality deal. Oh, I'll really? Have, I'll have a strike your mistress and then I'll have arrows of outrageous fortune. I mean, that's a great way to go about it. I look at it as like these movies are made by two different directors. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, one director made mm-hmm. strike your mistress and Mickey Reese's Alien. And that, that the follow up to that movie is Climb to the Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then arrows of outrageous fortune is more of a follow up to broadcast and suede head and mm-hmm. the, those earlier movies, like stuff like that. And is your working process different, though? Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally, totally. Like, well, we we set up a different set of rules for Arrows of Ivory Disfortune. Oh, so you work with rules when you make movies. Oh, have to. Oh, really? How else are you going to make all these movies? <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah, you're if right. If the sky is the limit, then, you know, I'd still be working on movie one. <laughs> yeah, you're, you know, you're 100% uh, correct. Yeah, like uh, Arrows of Ivory Disfortune, the rules were no lights. Oh, so you went in, like, Dogma 95 style. Yep. Yeah. In fact, uh, we totally did it Dogma 95 style in that, um, other than the very last mm-hmm. scene. That one was lit, <laughs> but at that one, it didn't matter. Yeah. And it was on a tripod and the mm. rest of the movie was... was handheld, yeah. Handheld. No props unless they're there. Exactly. Oh, you did go in with that. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then no sound that didn't, didn't uh, that wasn't in the room. Mm-hmm. That was a thing. But then uh, Nick Poss, my, uh, the guy who makes the my scores, he watched it because I was like, I don't think we're going to have any music. And he watched <laughs> it and he was like, dude, come on. 
Yeah. Like, you got to. Mm-mm. And I was like, all right, whatever. Can you think of any other set of rules that you would set on other movies that you did? Like, even Strike Dear Mistress, did you go in with, like, okay, it's all going to be set on tripods. That was one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we had that hotel. Yeah, that, that you're shooting hotel in. hotel we're shooting. That's the rules right there. Okay. We're, we can, we're only in this hotel, so. And how tempted were you, like, I want to shoot it four by three? Well, uh, Climbing to the Hunter is in four by three. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I didn't do it on Strike, yeah. but I'm going to do it on my yeah, next yeah, yeah. one. <laughs> totally. I mean, that's, like, the fun thing is that you're continually, like, revisiting yourself. I feel like the studio knew we were shooting in 4-3 for Climb to the Hunter. <laughs> Hopefully they're not finding it out right now. <laughs> no, I think, I, I feel like they knew that, but I oh, was definitely thinking about that. Like, this is kind of a, for yeah. us, this is a lot of money to be shooting this movie with. Hope they're cool with it being in 4-3. <laughs> I mean, like the audiences that would see a film like Climb to the Hunter, or even your or Strike Your Mistress, or even Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, I think they are like a specific audience that they would understand like, oh, it's in 4 by 3 Okay, that's an aesthetic decision sure. that I appreciate. Sure, totally. But, but you've had difficulty with that before, right? Like Mickey Reese's Alien, because it's shot in black and white. Some people are like, well, I don't want it. It's black and white. Yeah, we heard that from one... A distributor? A distributor, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But you don't let that kind of stuff affect you? No. <laughs> yeah. Because once you started doing that, like... It had to be in black and white. Oh, you just felt it like in your bones it had to be in black and white? Yeah, and I want to make another movie in black and white. I just don't know what that is yet. So you approach projects from a, like an aesthetic point first. Like, I want to do this kind of thing. And then the story grows around that? Um, It's not... Mm-hmm. It's way more simple than that. It's more like... Tammy Murphy, she's like my locations manager. Mm-hmm. She's just a godsend. She's amazing. But she'll be like, hey, I've got this, you know, hotel in <laughs> yeah. Guthrie that I can get us for a week. And then the whole movie comes from that. Okay. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Yeah. And then uh, like in Climber the Hunter, we had the cabins. Mm. Um, so, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, it's such a simple concept and simple movie. We don't, you know, we need an office. We need a, a hospital room. We need a house. Yeah. Easiest but- things in the world. So, it was written in there. We didn't necessarily have those locations picked out. But the producer on that film, D.B. Holdenfield, he just set us up with everything that we needed. And I just mm-hmm. didn't ask him for much other than just like, give me a big house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> give, me a, give me a small house. Get me an office, get me mm-hmm. a uh, lawyer's office, and then get me a, a, a hospital room, and that's all we need. Do you feel as you're working along Arrows of Outrageous Fortune and your next picture that, like, that will start, like, narrowing this idea of, like, well, I want the lawyer's office to look like this? Yeah, and that's how we kind of worked with Climber to the Hunter was I had a production designer for mm-hmm. the first time. <laughs> for the first time in so now 30-ish that I, films. Yeah, now that I know what that is mm-hmm. you're like drunk <laughs> on it as long as you keep making two to three films a year and that doesn't get in the way of that i guess right well like uh so this is 2019 we are it? technically yeah, yeah. in 2019 yeah this is coming out in april but we actually shot it at the beginning of 2018 i feel like we made two movies yeah ish that year i don't know it's tough to call but like so the next palette cleanser movie that mm-hmm. i will do like you know even if it has to be like in vhs on vhs or something yeah. or just like super small and you like shoot it in a weekend or something like right. that because you've done that before haven't yeah, you yeah, shot yeah. Yeah, sure. So, like, if that's the case, that will determine what kind of movie we make. You know, it just depends on like what we have going at the time. I don't. I'm not in a position right now where I can just be like, "This is the movie we will make, and this is the money I need." (laughs) Yeah, make it happen. And you never think that'll happen to you that you're like, "Yeah, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, like it'll just click," and you're like, "Yeah, now I'm this way." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But until then, when you write something and you have to stop yourself and go, "Well, how am I going to do this?" Do you just power through, or do you like scale it back? 
Oh yeah, that's never happened. It I always that's never I, happened. I, I don't put pen to paper until I know that I can execute it. Once all of the uh, variables are mm-hmm. are in place, then yeah, then it's time to write. Because most of the people I know write, and they're like, "How am I going to do and this?" And they sit around like wondering how they're going to make the movie. Yeah, exactly. And then they don't get to make a movie. Yeah, and that never happens to <laughs> exactly. you, right? Yeah. When you think of like you're just starting, and people are starting to see your movies. And it's going to be impossible for you to have a discussion with people being like, well, what about these other 30 films? Do you wish those would just like go away? It's essentially like an artist who's like drawing and his early sketchbooks. It is. Yeah. Totally. That's exactly what it is. And some of those drawings are pretty good, but none of them are as good as the drawings I'm doing now. Yeah. So it is. <laughs> yeah. So it's working for me right now. Yeah. Having been the no-name director that made all these movies. You yeah. Know. <laughs> So I'm cool with it right now. It's, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, when people ask about the movies, they're there. Yeah, they're there, <laughs> and I'll and I'll send you a link. Mm-hmm. They're not all on YouTube, but a lot of them are like unlisted links. I mean, you're too messages. busy making movies. You don't have time <laughs> to check know. comments. I just don't even. I'm too old to have like YouTube figured out. I think. Yeah, I know how to upload stuff to it. That's mm-hmm. about it. So coming back to your newest film, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune, it'll be finally. Pl- it'll finally. It'll be playing at the <laughs> Chattanooga Film Festival, which is taking place from April 11th to 14th. The exact date's not quite set yet but i mean people who can go should go for the entire time sure sure and, and yeah, see your I, film specifically I, uh, I i have not been to that festival mm-hmm. i've heard amazing things everybody i have heard that has gone there has been like it's been the most amazing film festival experience that i've ever had very personable everybody loves the movies nothing is picked for political decisions or anything like that so. yeah obviously <laughs> 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 no but uh yeah, he was telling me about some uh, after party at a, mm. a three-story haunted riverboat. So I'm just like, <laughs> what is this place? <laughs> You're and like, I gotta play there. I think like Joe Bob Briggs is like gonna be party. there. Or, yeah, I was Ugh. like, he was there last year. I think he's gonna be this this year. Mm-hmm. I, think I read that. And now that your movies are getting out there, like it's playing at these film festivals. How has, like, critical reaction? Is that something that you're used to? Or is it something that you're like, oh, wow, I've never had complete strangers tell me what they think of my movies in this detailed way? You mean, like, the press? The press, yeah. Or even uh, something like Letterboxd. So, I don't know if you ever visited that. Yeah. 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 I, I did. I did see some stuff on uh, Strike Your Mistress mm-hmm. on Letterboxd. Um, well, Strike Your Mistress has been, obviously, reviewed. Mm-hmm. Professionally. By... by way more (laughs) I got way more press for that than I've ever gotten for anything in my life and it's been amazing it's strange you know there will be a couple reviews that are I I don't think any of the reviews are bad there were a couple like "Eh, this movie's kind of slow like had a bit of a drag to it kind of weird for the sake of being weird isn't it like that on uh, on on Letterboxd and on on, you know like more user friendly Mm -hmm. like user reviews like stuff like that but uh, professional critics, like, um, there's been a couple that they weren't necessarily bad reviews, but mm-hmm. just saying stuff like, I don't know, like, this didn't really work and mm-hmm. could have done this and yada yada. But then some of the reviews have been so glowing mm-hmm. that it's just like, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know this person. It yeah. doesn't matter if they didn't like my movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, some of the reviews have been so great that I'm just like, man, really impressed by it. some of these writers even. Mm-hmm. Just like seeing stuff in it that like even I didn't. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. For. That's what I'm... <clears throat> yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got some great pull quotes from a lot of those, a lot of the press that Strike got. And it's weird to follow up with a movie like Arrows of Average Fortune that is a much smaller movie but I mean they're professional critics they'll get that yeah they'll understand that it's like it's different totally different aesthetic most people will probably approach you for the first time through Arrows of Outrageous exactly. Fortune. And they'll exactly. be like, mm, strike to your mistress. I liked his earlier funny yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> totally. 
Uh, when is Strike Your Mistress actually going to be released that people can like buy a copy and watch it? Are there any plans for hey, that? Man, in the that's future? the struggle, man. Oh, that's, that's the struggle? That's the struggle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. We'll see. I don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll keep everyone posted who listens to this podcast. The second that it comes out, I'll be like, hey, yes, now. Now you can finally go and watch it. Honestly, I think Arrows will have an easier time like getting a distribution deal. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it's a more palatable movie mm-hmm. and also... <laughs> Factory 25. I don't know if you ever heard of that distributor, <laughs> but they do very Arrows of Outrageous Fortune style movies. Oh, okay, so. cool. Yeah, and that's something, too, I was told of just, like, making a comedy, which, mm-hmm. you know, Arrows of Outrageous Fortune is just a comedy. Yeah. So there's no subgenre. There's no if, ands, or buts about yeah. it. It's just a comedy. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a hard time with a comedy because... Oh, really? Is that what people told you? Yeah, like, yeah especially yeah. with uh, distribution and stuff. No one wants to, like distribute a comedy no one wants to put money into a comedy and yet still comedies get made so <laughs> yeah it's weird isn't it? <laughs> yeah so how does that work a whole indie comedy dramedy kind of uh subgenre seems to exist at my library is just overflowing with them, yeah so. <laughs> exactly so i don't know if that makes sense to me i think every everyone has their path their yeah own path of, of like filmmaking and stuff so i think it's just you got to do it to figure it out yeah and figure out what works i mean it sounds like you'll never stop making movies so it doesn't matter if you know, if people Until like, I, well, when I write my novel, <laughs> and then you're just like, <laughs> no more movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to become a pulp author. You're oh, writing like yeah. ten novels a year, just oh, yeah. like and book signings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds very, um, you know, prestigious. Well, Maybe you just, should start you know, writing novels. I just imagine the uh, the writers' parties are more sophisticated than the filmmakers' <laughs> parties. You know, so what are you talking about when we're going to go to Hogtown after this? The nachos? <laughs> like, yeah, the biggest... <laughs> no, we're gonna sit around in gallery with wine yeah in our suits in our suits man we're real rich we're doing that yeah uh well thank you so much for doing this talk with me mickey because especially like you are exactly the kind of stuff that i love is that somebody who does it all themselves loves to play in every genre and just cannot stop making movies that it's like a compulsion and that's in my opinion like my favorite filmmakers so i hope everybody listens to this checks your stuff out on youtube uh and checks out strike dear mistress and arrows of outrageous fortune when they're finally released arrows of outrageous fortune specifically at the chattanooga film festival that's coming up in april yes thank you